0: welcome to out with dan the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of lgbtq authors characters and our allies together we lift our voices and we tell our stories i'm dan white join me as i chat with this week's author welcome everyone to out with dan i'm so excited that today I'll be speaking with Nicholas Garnett about his book, In the Pink. Welcome, Nick. Well, hello, and thank you so much for uh, having me here. I'm very excited. This book was so magnificent. It talked about so many things that I knew about, a lot of things I didn't know about, but especially a lot of places that you and I both been to. Give us a little bit of a rundown of what In the Pink is. Uh, so it's a memoir that takes place um,
1: primarily pretty much the entire decade of the 90s. And uh, at the time I was living in Washington, D.C., obviously. I was considerably younger than I am now. I, was, uh, I think it starts when I'm 32 or so. And um, I'm feeling a little bit lost in my life, not knowing exactly what's coming next, you know. Playing drums in a Top 40 band and burned out on the corporate scene. I knew that that world wasn't for me anymore. And then uh, one night I go and I have what I think is going to be sort of a a catch up drink with an old work colleague of mine, a woman named Rachel. And uh, my world kind of explodes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I think is a drink turns out to be a a 12 year relationship with her Uh, through her. I met her uh, friends who were uh, almost exclusively uh, gay men, and she had been, uh, from the time she was a teenager, um, her first friend, her first uh, a lover, really was a man that would come out later, um, but she used to run to the gay clubs uh, as a teenager, and she was, you know, uh, I don't know if this is politically correct anymore, but she, my wife, was the ultimate fag hag. She um, uh, was much more comfortable in the, in the company of, of gay men than she was in most straight men. The reason she gave me, and, and I come to see this over the course of the book, is that she always maintained that most straight men do not really care for women. Uh, and then if it weren't for sex, most of them would have nothing to do with them. Whereas, and, and my mother, um, I have to say, when I was growing up and after my mother was divorced uh, and she was disillusioned with her romantic kind of partners, uh, her best friends uh, became, also became gay men. So I was, I was used to being in the company of gay men. Uh, so when when Rachel introduced me to her friends who were kind of, you know, like on the verge maybe of A-list <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> in, in, uh, in Washington, D.C., um, I was just blown away by it. I, I you know, I came down with I, uh, what I call a, a genvy, gay envy. In other words, I wanted what, they were everything I wasn't at the time. Um, confident, uh, successful ambitious and so was rachel and uh like i said it blew my world wide open and um that was early 90s which was really sort of the ramp up period for the uh, circuit party scene and we were introduced to that came down to miami beach in uh in late 1991 and um i mean we just plunged headlong <laughs> into it along with um you know, along with our friends and we, I mean, I, you know, I, I think my story is is unique because uh, I met other straight people in that scene who were kind of dabbling or they would come, you know, other women out with their gay friends, you know, out to have a good time. But I did not meet anybody that was a, as fully immersed in it as, uh, as anybody else who was straight, who was as fully immersed in
0: it as, as we became. And when that. The thing, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. One of the things that you mentioned is you know, when you hang out with A listers or near A listers, life is very different. Um, you know, we all joke about getting that great parking spot next to the door. But when the door is held open for you, it does make life very sweet and it's very interesting. It's, It's a lot more than going out with D listers. You know where you're. You know you get to see a world that perhaps you might have seen or you might not have seen. I know I was very influenced and um, envious of aid listers, those people who were overly well, not overly confident, but who were confident yes. and who you know they were movers and shakers and they opened the doors, and it makes life very sweet. It's very seductive. I it think is. I, I think
1: co- confidence and success and ambition are really qualities that can that are seductive and they are
0: and I don't care if it's if it's a man a woman gay or straight or if it's somebody's dog if they're confident it makes all the difference in the world I had um, a professor at uh, Florida uh,
1: Florida International University where where my alma mater where I got my MFA and where I work now and teach now and uh, she read it and um, uh, she's gay and when she was done one of her comments was this this story isn't about sexuality because the, the the you know part of the way through it I I forgot who was gay and who was straight it, it <laughs> ceased to matter. This is about uh, ambition and class. Like yes. I saw I saw that world as like a leap leap me leapfrogging uh, to this really like unbelievable and totally. Um, Seductive uh, world, and you know, I, I credit it. That I credit them, my my friends, and I credit uh, Rachel for showing me that the world could be full of possibilities, is the way I put it, as opposed to limits.
0: I totally agree, and I love the fact that you know, not everybody is intent for the corporate world. Not everyone is built like that. you know. Maybe 100, 150 years ago, if you were a farmer or a banker, there was such a distinction on what you did based on what you were capable of doing. When we come up in our age, we're both about the same age, we were driven by family and community who said, you have to have a job, you've got to get ahead, you've got to move ahead. But that takes out the personality. Not everyone Mm -hmm. is is destined for corporate world. I did well in corporate world, except for my mouth. I have a very foul mouth, and I was known to use it at a conference room table to get my point across because I had work to do because I needed to succeed. When you're a person that that's really not your world, I think we do sort of flounder about a bit. And then when you meet confident people, what a wonderful thing to glam onto because all of a sudden, they possess something that we might like to possess. Right, And And I think, so you traveled most of the world, I would say, Mm -hmm. uh, attending circuit parties and doing the circuit. Um, Did you have a favorite place, just say a vibe? Well,
1: the vibe, all I can say is, um, and I would say that Miami would be, if not at the top of the list, back now, I'm, I'm going back now to the 90s and the very early 2000s, and, and I'm talking about Miami Beach now in particular, which was a very different place than it is uh, <laughs> now. And uh, so uh, the party scene there, you know, uh, the white party and the winter party, um, I would say that probably had some of uh, the most intense and best uh, experiences uh, down here. I mean, I live in South Florida now. I have a completely different life, obviously. <laughs> but uh, the... I, I was just going to say that, that um, when that scene was working, when it was all working, there really kind of wasn't like anything like it. It, it completely uh I've never s- felt so uh, connected um and look uh, you know drugs were a big part of that scene um, uh and it's the reason that I, you know eventually it caught up to us caught up to me and Rachel and, and and you know it wasn't really a sustainable kind of life but I'm but part of it wasn't just the drugs part of it was feeling th- <laughs> sorry <my brother. laughs> it, it, feeling uh, uh, like you were part of something bigger yeah connect
0: yeah yeah, yeah I th- I think that's a big thing uh, to you and I had discussed a little bit on social back and forth I was at the first um, white party at Vizcaya I was at the first winter party on Miami Beach my friends are so tired of hearing about the fact that I lived in Miami from 1988 to 1999. I live in Los Angeles and I love Los Angeles, but I was 25 to 28. Doesn't get much sweeter than to be in Miami during those years. So there was a lot of there was a lot of party. And for anyone who doesn't quite understand what the gay circuit party is, a lot of them were created as an answer, maybe to AIDS. A lot of yeah. people were becoming HIV positive or had AIDS. We had a lot of friends who died. And a lot of people said, well, if I'm going out, I gonna at least have a good time. It's a very noble cause. There was millions of dollars raised for AIDS research. There were all the right intents. And there was a lot of party. And I don't believe in looking back with negativity. Life was what it was. You know, we had a good time. Some people had a better time. Some people chose to sit home and not have a good time at all. And that's one's choosing, but it's nice to, I'm gonna say this very nicely, we're still here. So that's a good thing. I like that. We're, we're still here. And you know, I pointed out
1: uh, in the uh, intro to, to In the Pink, the memoir, I, I point out that uh, yes, I mean, the, the big irony is that, you know, these events sort of began many of them as fundraisers mm-hmm. and did a lot of good. Raised mm. like you said, a million millions of dollars, and and you know they also contributed, uh, late, especially later on, as the parties sort of became their own uh, parties for partying sake. Yes, um, that created a lot of you know irresponsible behavior, which actually you know
0: fed. It, it. Yes, it, it it harmed some people, and it also fed in you know if we talked earlier about confidence. I've known a lot of people who worked parties, whether it was a circuit party or whatever, and it was to hide their the fact they had no confidence. So they got into a scene and they tried to overachieve, that has its own ramifications. Um, There again, no judgment, it's just the things that you see in life. So will you do me a favor and tell me what the dedication of the book says, because I love it and I want you to share it. Well, it's very short.
1: Uh, it's uh, one sentence. It says, uh, to all the queens,
0: especially you, Mom. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I sort of felt like you were dedicating it to me and your mom and other people, so I'm very thankful for that. So (laughs) that's a Uh, good uh, thing.
1: She would have been, (laughs) she she would have been proud to have been, uh, you know, lumped in with, uh, I I, I always said that my mother, you know, I think a little part of me, <laughs> uh, because she and, and Rachel, my ex-wife, depicted in in the book, never really got along. You know, there was always a distance, and that was that was Rachel, giving mm. a sort of an emotional kind of stiff arm to her, and uh, I, I always said my mother would have been s- so happy if I had been just a, a, a you know a devoted gay son. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a good. That's a good yeah. thing. So you had um, I'm I'm going to tell a little bit. So at at fifty, you sort of changed uh, streams, and you went back to college, and um, you have a graduate degree. Is that right, Nick? Yes, I went back and I got my um,
1: master's of fine arts in, in creative writing,
0: and at so I Googled your uh, alma mater, FIU. My goodness, is it huge now. I mean, yeah. it is enormous. I mean, it was a nice school when I lived there, but I mean, this is, what was it, second largest in the state and fifth in the country? I mean, it's ridiculous compared to what it was when I was there. So that's amazing. It's, it's grown
1: by leaps and bounds. Um, and the creative writing department is uh, still a relatively small um, program that's embedded in there. And uh, you know uh, the faculty has been there for most of them for a long, long time, and some some very good prominent um, writers have come out of that program. So I'm 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 proud. When I decided that I was going to get serious about writing, um, I resisted at 50 going back to school. You know, I hadn't been a student for
0: you know more than 25 <laughs> years. Right. Uh, if It's unique in the fact that it's like, oh, wow, I remember that. But that was a minute ago. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, the the memoir
0: became my
1: thesis. That became my master's thesis. And um, uh, much revised since then. Had a different title. Uh, But, yeah, it took um, from the time I graduated in the MFA and an aided first Literary agent first took an interest in it while I was still in the program, yes. shopped it around. couldn't Couldn't find anybody to take it on. Nobody could exactly figure out where a story like this belongs, like in a marketing kind of way. And it took eleven years
0: for it to get published. Yeah.
1: Oh wow,
0: wow! You know, you must have patience as well, Nick. I like that. <laughs> well, I can't. You know. People say, "Oh, wow! You stuck it out
1: and persevered." Well, the two things were: first of all, I had uh, pretty much tried doing everything else <laughs> for uh, for vocation, and I, I felt like I didn't have anything else to go back to. And secondly, I, I put this aside. I wrote a novel, and I was in the process of um, trying to find an agent for my for the novel when, out of the blue, this got this got published.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. And I understand you had a a launch party at Books and Books, and was it, were you in Coral Gables the other night?
1: Yes, it was uh, this past Saturday, and it was literally a dream. Like you, have, very few times in my life have I dreamed of something, and then the actual thing has actually met the lived it manifested
0: this itself. I love.
1: It. In this case, it was so far beyond my expectations. All the faculty was there, friends, people I hadn't seen in 20 years, people that were from this life, from the book. Oh, wow. Came out, yeah, yeah, some of them. So it was a dream, yeah.
0: That is so wonderful. And I love books and books. I'm gonna give them a little shout out again because I remember when I lived uh, in Miami they were a mainstay in Coral Gables. And then they had a, a place on Miami Beach and a few other locations. Yep. Just so wonderful for local writers and writers in general, but local writers. I saw quite a few people there over the years and they were always so supportive. And that's that makes all the difference. And of course, I'm thrilled to death that it was there only because it's yet another connection that I know. So I love that.
1: Yeah, it's... um. Mitch Kaplan is the owner, and, and it's one of the most successful independent bookstores. I, um, You know, it's, it, it rose up to the challenge of Amazon that put a lot of independent bookstores yes. under, and it was doing, you know, it was doing, he had eight, lo, has eight locations. And then wow. COVID hit, and you can imagine how difficult that was for him.
0: It, it's been, it, for publishers, for bookstore owners, for customers, for authors, it was, It was a difficult pandemic all the way around um, because some of us turned to reading more, which was great. But yet getting out and meeting people, signing books, having a launch party, those are things that were so very difficult uh, during the pandemic. But we're getting back to life as we knew it before. So that's a good thing. Something approaching
1: normal, yeah. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. So um, what do you teach at FIU what's your class Uh, like there? I
1: teach creative writing to um uh, to undergrads and um I also work in the department and I um I do a wide variety of things there I uh I advise some of the students coming into the master's program um I arrange for visiting writers to come through and uh so it's a it's a hodgepodge of things I, I teach um teaching only one class this semester. All
0: right. So you're back to a respectable living now, almost in a corporate world. Look at this full circle stuff.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's
1: it's academia. I, 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 I still find it uh, different than
0: corporate. Life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it comes with its own unique positives and probably some negatives as well. There's a little bit of competition, but how... Anytime we're able to do creative things, how wonderful is that? I mean, it's. I'm I'm uh, I'm so grateful, you
1: know. And I um, I met my current wife uh, at a reading. <laughs> and it, uh, it was a reading, actually, from In the Pink. Nice. This this big public reading, and it was out. You know, the story I was reading was outrageous. It was you know, sex in a hot tub and drugs and the whole thing from Fire Island, as you can imagine, doing the (laughs) work. Yes. Uh, And uh, before I went on, I told the producer of the event, I said, this will guarantee I stay single the rest of my life, because there's not a woman out there who's going to hear this and take a chance on a guy. But in the audience that night
0: happened to be my future wife. So.
1: Oh, oh, there
0: (laughs) she (laughs) is. And she's in the audience tonight or now (laughs) as well. (laughs) There she is. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry, she bro. rose to the occasion. She wasn't. A, she wasn't frightened of it. I love that. To this
1: day, I am still not sure what kept her from running for the exits. You know.
0: You know what? I've read your memoir. I know why she didn't run for the exit because it's it's a damn good read and it needs to be read and it needs to be out there. Can you Thank show you. us a, uh, show us a copy of the book?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of proud of this cover. Uh, it may be a little difficult to see. There you I go.
0: Perfect. perfect. I'm very proud can... of the cover, too. I have to say that I, this is the perfect cover. Well, there's a little story
1: behind this. Uh, when I first found out it was going to be published, it was it's a small, independent publisher, and they don't have the resources, you know, to uh, devote to a designer to your uh, book right away. So... I had a picture that I had taken many years ago. I mean, going back to our era Mm -hmm. of uh, it looked like some drag queen had taken off her pink pumps and thrown them over power lines, right? Love it. So I had a picture of that. And I always said, if this ever gets published, that might be the cover. So I put it on Facebook. I said, hey, it's coming out there and uh, in the pink. I dropped that in, you know. was very uh, it was very amateurish looking (laughs) and a friend of mine saw what i had posted and he said you know what i'm a photographer and i and i've done book covers award-winning why don't you let me take a crack at it so i brought him my shoe and this says something about denise this is her shoe (laughs) nice and uh and he did the rest
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. Nick, would you like to share your social media? You have a website as well, right? I do. NicholasGarnett.com. Um,
1: I'm Nicholas Garnett on uh, on Facebook. I'm uh, Writer Stuff Nick on Instagram, and I am uh, write Stuff, write the same name, Writer Stuff Nick on uh, on
0: Twitter fantastic fantastic this has been such an honor i really appreciate you taking time to hang out with me and discuss your book in the pink is magnificent it's an unapologetic truth of nicholas garnett and it's it's a book that's not it's not a judgy book it's not a i'm sorry for my past i'm proud of my past it's a book that simply tells your past where you are now and I just think it's magnificent, Nick. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And the fact
1: that you said that about it is uh, is so gratifying because I really was trying to write something uh, that did not point the finger at anybody except with the possibility of me.
0: <laughs> I, well, and I think you did that. And I think you also had a loving examination of yourself, which I think is, it's very adult. It's always not, e- it's also not easy to do. I think it's it's very easy to romanticize the past or to yeah. feel one emotion or another, but I really feel like you put it on the table and you brought us a story that's interesting, compelling. It's a side of life that not everyone gets to see, and I thought it was wonderful. Thank you. Uh,
1: thank you. I, I, I'm so appreciative of that, Dan. And I am welcoming that. Uh, Uh, You and I could probably talk for
0: hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there were places that you ate, bars that you went to in this world that I'm like, I was right there. It's just amazing. Anybody who lived during our time, it's a must read. Well, well, it's a must read for anybody. So (laughs) thank you, Nick. If you'll hang on, I'll be right back. Sure thing. Thanks, Dan. Sure. Thank you for joining us. On out with Dan, and see you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out with Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at go out with Dan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by Bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out with Dan.